0: Welcome everybody to the UDR podcast. I'm Tom Forsyth here with Bill Ward. We're going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives and different experiences in recovery with people we know and people around the world. Okay, welcome everybody. Today we have Corey W and we're here to talk uh, about some more recovery material and uh, you know the struggles in recovery and you know the the path and what we have to do to um, live a free and happy life. Um, I know Bill and Corey had gotten together a while back and why don't you tell us a little bit about that Bill?
1: Yeah I just would like to first welcome Corey to the podcast. Uh, It's good to have you here. Um, We've known each other now for I'm gonna say pretty close to three years or so and yeah we've uh, watched each other grow and and I and I met him actually at a meeting and and our friendship started and I don't know if it was really a friendship it was it was an acquaintanceship to get to get going with and uh and I would hear share, Corey share and thought he was on the right track and and you know it really inspires me to watch people grow and and do things differently and from afar, it looked like Corey was growing and he was doing things and didn't really know him. And we started chatting and and then we started doing some work together. And it's been just a fucking great, great journey. I've really got a lot of inspiration and, and learned a lot myself by working with this man here. And So Corey, welcome here today. Um, I'd just like to ask you maybe as you started walking your journey to recovery and you got into your, your work and what you thought recovery was, I know a lot of people think recovery is like going to meetings and, and just the fellowship and and that type of thing. Could you maybe walk us through the, you know, the early years of what it was that you thought recovery was and kind of the journey that got you to um, the place that things started really clicking.
2: Yeah. Uh, First of all, thank you Bill and Tommy for having you today and uh, hello to everybody on the podcast. Uh, my journey, when I started off, I was lost, I was nice, I tried to be the nicest guy ever and I didn't realize that I was actually just trying to manipulate everything so that it worked out to the best of my ability. As long as I was the top tier guy in the group, I was happy, Right, making everyone else wrong. And I thought that that was the way to live life.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> well, I, I think it's funny. That, <clears throat> yeah. You know, but I see it all the time where people think that, uh, you know, a spiritual way of life is just being basically being nice all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we learn in in the program that um, being spiritual is basically speaking your truth and um, being right with God and, you know, There's a certain process that we have to discover and and put a lot of effort in in order to connect with this higher power um, so we can speak our truth and we're not afraid to, you know, say what we need to say at the time we need to say it. And um, but I I think there's a big misconception on what spirituality is um, based on my experience. So what happened um, when when Corey came to you,
1: Bill? What was the what was the deal? Well, I don't really know what the full deal was. Uh, I know a friend of mine had been chatting with them unbeknownst to me about some some six and seven type stuff. I find a lot of people in the program aren't really up to speed on six and seven. Um, Usually first time through, it's a very short paragraph or two if you're doing six and seven. And it doesn't have a lot of impact in their lives. And I see a lot of people relapse because they actually haven't been humbled enough and willing enough to actually change. And so when Corey and I started working together, he's like, I think his exact words was, I want to learn more about six, six and seven. And I'm like, fucking A, let's do this. So then we we started meeting, we started talking. And I think right from the very start, it was kind of like, well, what is God's will? What is step six? What is, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to let go And a lot of these things we can't even see, right? So with Corey and I, we just got started somewhere. And uh, I don't even think we really hit the book right away. We just started to get to know each other. And, uh, you know, I think it's best if I probably let Corey explain what that was like for him. Because I know for me, I can say that Corey is probably one of the most willing guys I've ever worked with that I've ever seen in the program willing to do whatever it would take to try to grow and try to change and try to learn and a lot of his behaviors that he struggled with they were deeply ingrained and a lot of them came from his past and he didn't even know they were there and we've shone a lot of light there and this guy's been fucking willing and it's just been a pleasure like so I don't know Corey what was your experience like when we first got together and you know let us let us hear some of that.
2: Yeah, thank you, Bill. Um, I had no idea what six and seven were. The steps didn't really make sense to me um, as a whole, right? First, I find out I have these defects of character. So I'm praying all the time about any situation that came up in my four, right? I've got this rigorous inventory. And in my fourth column, I see that it's all my fault, right? And then I do a five and I admit it to another human being. Um, Then there was six and seven i spent an hour by myself read this tiny paragraph out of the big book and thought hey look at that i'm done right let's move (laughs) on and i started taking these names and putting them into these columns for step eight and um you know and then taking action in step nines and little did i know i started having these um emotional hangovers all the time in my life like little things that pissed me off right or i didn't want to go to work or i slept in and I would start to pray, right? First thing I would do is just go to prayer, right? And then I would meditate on it. Like I'm talking like prayer in a bathroom stall, like get on my knees in the bathroom stall and, and, and pray. And I'm talking like three, four times a day, right? Pray for others. And I thought that's all it took, right? If I just keep up this process of praying all the time, get up in the morning, doing like five, 10 minutes of meditating, right? A lot of the time, it was guided because I couldn't sit still for more than 30 seconds. And, uh, and then I would move into uh, tense, right? If somebody, uh, if I had caused harm or I was frustrated with someone or I didn't know how to handle a situation, or I was overthinking in my head, I would just call someone and get a direct line to my higher power to give me advice on how to best suit the situation. Uh, What I didn't know in all of this is without six and seven, I was just having emotional hangovers all the time, right? It was like this up and down roller coaster. I was like throwing to the left, throwing to the right, right? Throwing to the wolves. And I thought that this was recovery, right? I thought that if I just pray hard enough, right? Then find somebody to help after and then go out and do my best of God's will that uh, this will keep me sober and this is what it takes. Little did I know six and seven are in the middle for a reason, right? Six and seven are the glue, right? They make it all come together. And when we met, I had no idea. Thankfully, I met you, right? And I got to know six and seven, and my life has completely transformed, right? Six being the pain of uh, humiliation and suffering, and my character defects will run my life and I don't even know the actions that I'm capable of doing through these defects of character, right? Like I didn't want to take responsibility for things that I didn't even know what was doing, which was completely blatant in my step four, right? And then in step seven, being like, man, I don't want to live that way anymore, right? I need to find a power greater than myself, right? And anything I do in life has to be surrounded by inviting God in. Right? Otherwise, my defects of character, you know, will take control, right? And I'll do absurd and tragical things. Uh, I'd say that's the biggest change in my recovery is understanding six and seven. And it finally made the steps come together, right? Have mm-hmm. perspective that they work as one when I understand them. I can only have the level of recovery that I'm capable of
0: understanding, yeah, I
2: was so grateful that I went the extra length to find that.
0: Yeah, it's so common that, because <clears throat> I mean, I was, well, let's see. I was in, uh, came into the program in 2009 and uh, I remember going to meetings and six and seven would come up and it was like crickets in the room. You know, like I never I never heard much about what what defects of character even were. Like I, I, I really didn't understand even what a defect of character was. I, <clears throat> I knew like... You know, I would try not to be angry, um, but pure self-will. Try not to be afraid, pure self-will. You know, just kind of stuff it down inside somewhere deep, and then it's going to manifest somewhere else in my life. Um, But yeah, I mean, for it to really be explained, and I know it's so short in the book, and, um, you know, I I think that the 12 and 12 um, elaborates on it so well. And I mean, there's a purpose why you know, he, he felt the need to elaborate. I mean, after a couple of decades of prayer and meditation and watching guys do the program a certain way um, you know, I think it became very important that he had to elaborate on some of the steps Um, basically like what has your experience been bill since you've been using your um, as you dissected the six and seven through the 12 and 12 and bringing it to other, your sponsees and the guys you work with, like what kind of changes have you seen around you? like, I know from just from the meeting we started, you know, the people, their lives, the way they've
1: leveled up because of the understanding of step six and seven. <clears throat> yeah. A few, couple few podcasts ago, Tommy, when we were with Jesse, um, you had mentioned, well, you guys were driven to the book out of pure circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. And typically when people get into these really tough life situations and they're trying to be in recovery, they reach out to their, their God-centered 12-step pillar, their sponsor, and they're saying, I need help, right? And then the sponsor will usually try to help guide you in the help that you need, um, take you to the book, maybe do some inventory, more prayer meditation. There's some awesome guidance and direction there, right? Um, with me and Jesse, we were driven by circumstances into the book and we knew the solution was there. We just didn't know really where it was. Mm -hmm. So we, we just opened the book and we started diving into that six literature and we started dissecting the words and looking up the words and really sharing with each other what our experience is with superiority, with gossip barred, with our anger, with lust, with, with self-righteous anger and all of these kind of things. Because a lot of these things I didn't want to think that I really had at the levels to what I had them. And it was my pride kind of pushing them aside and saying, no, you don't really have that. Look how far you've come. But really, even today, I have to look at those things and go, okay, you still have this. And if I resist it, it's going to always come back and persist in my life. So I got to be aware and willing to to actually look at these things at deeper levels. Because the longer a guy stays sober, the more subtle these things become. When you look at step four in the big book, it talks about we considered its common manifestations of self. Well, my first run through the steps, it's only the common shit that I'm going to see. And then when you read the first paragraph of step five, it says we ascertain in a rough way what the basic trouble is. So I'm only looking at the common things in a rough way what the basic trouble is. There's some deeper shit and over the time, the shit gets more cunning and, and baffling and powerful below the surface. So to your question of what I've seen, how it's affected and worked in other people's lives, well, we were all chatting here before the podcast and we were talking about the recovery rate with the sponsees that we're working with, right? Um, And I've noticed over the years that the more I focus on six and seven, because I truly believe six and seven is God's will. It really is God's will. And if I can learn at a high level and be willing to humble myself like Corey's done and like you've done and I've done, we start learning how to turn these things over. And I've seen massive success with the focus on six and seven. And like two guys are sitting right in front of me, right? Like like Tommy Guns, like you and me have put the time in on six and seven. And our relationship shows me my own six and seven My relationship with Corey shows me my own six and seven, because you guys are me. Not only are you alcoholics and addicts, Mm -hmm. and Bill Mm -hmm. W. was fucking brilliant. He used my greatest deficit of an alcoholic addict to become my greatest asset. And love and tolerance of others is our code. Yeah, well, love and tolerance of other human beings. The book tells me our real purpose isn't to just fucking help alcoholics. A real purpose to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the fellows about us, all people. So I've learned how to develop compassion, right? And you know, I I know with Corey, it's been game changer shit. It's been game changer shit. Um, yeah. So that that's how I've seen it work. You guys are sitting right in fucking front of me. Mm-hmm. What? Uh,
0: so what? What? What was the decision when you decided to work with Bill? Like. Because I know you went through some sponsors. What what happened?
2: Yeah, thanks Tommy. Yeah. I had a sponsor that didn't believe in making amends to women. Okay. And uh, I knew that's an area of life that if I want to have success in relationships, right, this program is about all relationships in my life, that I need to change that, right? I need to take a new perspective and I need to take action on these glaring defects. I knew I have a problem with lust. I knew I have a problem with Manipulating situations so that, you know, what am I going to wear for Halloween so that I can go out and have sex on Halloween, right? Which section of groups can I hang out with so that, you know, I have the best opportunity, right? And uh, these thoughts were baffling and I didn't know how to toss them aside. And they were regular and common in my life. And I hadn't changed on being a better man in my sex conduct. I didn't know which new direction to take. And no matter how hard I prayed on it, uh, I was still... You know, looking at women in the meetings with lust, right? I was still looking at women at the mall with lust. And uh, I knew that Bill would speak sometimes in meetings where he would talk about his sex conduct and his relationship with his ex and how he amended that situation. And it just inspired me, right? I was like, man, I wish I could have the courage to go back and talk to some of my exes and just make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. And own it all. Right. And speak from the heart and just <clears throat> do it with a sponsor, right? Like not my own self will, because that would go horribly wrong. And I've had experiences where it has gone horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when I came to Bill, it was, hey, man, I need to make amends to these women. And are you willing to teach me? Mm-hmm. Right. That's us go word from here. Now, the thing is, I was so focused on making amends. Right. I thought that was the triumphant goal of life right if i can just finish these 12 steps and make amends to all these women my life will be miraculous these expectations will grow to the fourth dimension and i'll have the life that's perfect for me right i'll have sex all the time and you know polyamorous relationships and you know this is like the mask i was wearing right little to behold that is not at all uh, how this journey has turned out um yeah and i
1: remember Corey when we were doing some work together, and it was revealed. It was probably six or seven meetings in of us joining forces and meeting up and talking about the work we were doing. It came to light that you were getting spiritual experiences out of immense. And you and I had started back at ground zero on step one and you were texting me going, what are we doing these fucking amends? I need to get to these amends. And he kept saying that. And I was like, oh, I was baffled. Why the fuck does this guy want to do these amends so bad? We're like not even close to that. <laughs> and and then eventually that day it came to light. And he's like, dude, I get spiritual awakenings out of amends. And it was like, isn't the program about doing these amends? And that's how we gain in our spiritual progress. And I'm like, fuck, no, that's a part of it for sure. But it's not the basis of it at all. Right. And then that was like a really breakthrough moment right there. And uh, I remember we just we just started hammering. OK, well, what is God's will? And you had mentioned earlier in this talk here today uh about doing step 10s, promptly admitting when you're wrong. Well, that's step 10 on the wall, right? The actual step 10 in the big book is the keys to the kingdom. And it's actually your six and seven. In a nutshell, it's your four to nine. And as we implement that and through our relationship, you pick up the phone and you do an actual step 10 and you're not making amends to me. You're asking me, you know, what do I do with this current situation? And I'm like, did you go to God? And you're like, yes, I did. I'm like, okay, so what do we do? We try to find out what the issue is. What is Corey using that's not serving him or anybody? And we find what the problem is in itself. It's always motive, right? It's always motive. And we try to find that thing and fucking discard it without regret. Make your amend quickly if you harmed anyone, which you've been great at along the way through this process. And then resolutely turning our thoughts to someone we can help. And... Above that even, you take the action and you go find somebody to help, right? And this is the shit that's Mm -hmm. actually leveling leveling you up because you're understanding the directions. You're understanding this 12 steps is not individual separate steps. It's like you said, it's all one. Mm -hmm. And it comes together in that 10, 11, and 12, right? Well, they, um,
0: you know, I struggled with, with that too because, I mean, I always thought that step 10 was all about amends. And I, like you mentioned before, I thought step 11 was just prayer and meditation and, you know, step 12 was service. So, you know, I would do things like pour coffee, coffee and stuff like that, which is important in the beginning, but mm-hmm. step 12 is not about pouring coffee, mm-hmm. but it is, um, so important to be able to work with other alcoholics. Cause I believe that I don't really, fully understand my 6 and 7 until I start working with other alcoholics because they show me what I need to see about myself and sometimes I mentioned in the last podcast sometimes I'll tell somebody something and it's exactly what I need to hear and it it just it comes from somewhere else other than me like I can't make this shit up right so but the other thing is is like we talk about step 10 like I don't even know what I'm bringing to the table if I haven't done six and seven properly. Right. Mm -hmm. So in step three, we asked to ask God to take away our difficulties. Well, I don't know what my difficulties are yet. I don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. You know, it looks like my difficulties are, you know, the all the stuff that I've been avoiding. Those are difficult. God, please take those away because they're causing me pain, or like all the fines (laughs) I didn't pay, or, you know, whatever but that's not it. You know, it's, it's my defects of character, but I can't even see them cause they're very subtle and they've been driving my entire life and I've been living with them. I'm trying to do things differently, but me trying on my own, it, it, it's like sweeping things under the rug. Eventually they turn into something really big and the house is burning
1: down and I don't even know where it came from. So Corey, I wanted to touch base on what Tommy's saying. He's talking about the step six um, realizing, what it is that's wrong with us through working with others. Not only through working with others, there's got to be a proper humbling in the step four and five. Like my experience as I've worked with quite a few dudes is a lot of guys, I'm like, well, how long did your step five take? And they say two hours. Well, two hours is enough time to do a confession. It's enough time to read out what I wrote down and tell somebody. And then they they maybe give me a couple things to to pray on. And, and then I go on and I read six and seven, and then I'm not humbled properly. So as we did your, your five work, we took hours and hours and hours. We had to break it up even because it took so long. You had a whole lifetime geared to self-centeredness, running it on self-will, causing a lot of pain and harm. And it wasn't that you were intentionally doing that, right? Because your intentions in life were actually pretty decent. You wanted to be a good dude. You wanted all of these Nice things, and you were a good dude. Like, don't get me wrong, but that's the thing with us. It's not about intention, it's about motive. Under the motive is where I can start seeing the real issue, and then I can work towards it. But if you're not humbled properly, humiliated, and humbled through the pain of the four and the five, especially, you don't become willing to fucking change. And when we did your five, the name of the game was humility, mm-hmm. the groveling despair. Like, look what you're doing. Look what your patterns are doing. And, and we found a lot of those things. And could you maybe talk to the listeners about the benefit of being humble through the pain and seeing some of the, the actions that we do that harm others and then like how the willingness actually moves you forward? Or what did the step five do? To make six take effect.
2: Yeah, thank you, Bill. In step five, I learned that I'm a dick. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> I learned that I'm a dick. And that justification just ran my life, right? Uh, it ran my thinking mind. It ran my life. You know, I had self-will run riot. Um, some of the awakenings I had with humbled and humility that I'd never experienced before, because I didn't know that step six was uh, looking at the pain that I'd caused other people, is now I can actually put myself in other people's shoes, like authentically, right? And see what's best for them. Like I've always thought, well, I want what's best for them, right? So I'll put myself in their shoes, right? Well, the trick of that is, is I want what's best for them, right? I ruined that man, you know, I gave up that opportunity, right? I no longer get to ask for what I want, right? I need to do what's best for them, right? And just that little bit of uh, misplacement of view just changed my perspective. Like now I can see what's, what do other people need? What do they need to better themselves, right? Without what I want, right? that's been a life-changing opportunity for me and I hope it continues for the next 10, 20, 30 years right it gets me out of the way right it's no longer about selfish and self-centered actions right or what am I going to get out of it that I didn't even know I was trying to get out of it right it just happened it wasn't like a thought of I'm trying to be selfish or justificating it was uh, I figured I was praying properly you know But without a proper understanding of steps six and seven and learning about humble and humility, I had no idea that asking for being in other people's shoes and understanding them and being compassionate and caring was wrong when I said, well, I want them to be happy in this circumstance. A great example is my parents. Um, I've always thought that uh, me and my brother need to get along, right? Him and I haven't spoken in about eight years, my little younger brother, and My parents just want him to get along with me or me to get along with him, right? And I kept saying to myself, God, reveal to me, how can me and my brother get along, right? Because I want mom and dad to be happy and I want the relationship at home to be happy. You know, how can I better this? And the truth of the matter is, is I kept saying, how can I make this better for my best interest, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I want my brother to love me, but do I even know who my brother is? You know, what does he really want? You know, what is he going through, right? Is that what's really needed? What do my parents want, right? I just kept seeing it through the lens of what I want, right? Without six and seven, I never would have gotten to an understanding of being able to put myself in other people's shoes. I just couldn't sit long enough, right? There was too much clutter in my mind. My thinking got over ecstatic and calamity. Uh, Just ran the show,
1: right? And you talked earlier about uh, you had to do guided meditations because you weren't able to sit quietly. And that's a huge component of, and you also said earlier that you were thrown to the right, thrown to the left, thrown to the dogs. And emotional sobriety was fleeting and it was never really there, right? And that's really important because without this emotional sobriety and kind of self-sacrificing, like there's a line in step 12, where it says faith alone is insufficient to be vital. It must be accompanied by self-sacrifice, unselfish, constructive action. So, yeah, the idea that I can just pray and be full in on faith is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Really, it must be accompanied. The book says, and in my experience, this to be 100% fundamental truth that I have to accompany that with self-sacrifice which is the essence of what step six is. It is actually the essence of what the step three decision is. And it is the essence of the action that we take in step 10. Self-sacrificing. And you said that you couldn't always see it. Yeah, that's why this program and sponsorship and pillars allows you to see the truth. Because when we're driven on intention, we can't always see the underlying decisions based on self that later place us in a position to be hurt and we almost always invariably hurt other people almost always right so it's really important to be able to clear this this selfish self-centeredness because it's the shit that clouds up my mind and it makes me have to do guided meditations makes me have to think i'm meditating and rationalize that i'm actually meditating when i'm just sitting there quiet thinking about a whole bunch of shit in my head and i'm not (laughs) fucking quiet i'm not meditating and then as you do this consistently and persistently with the commitment to change it starts clearing and we can actually get into meditation we can actually hear the actual answers like you were talking about before the podcast when you sat quietly last night and you had some things revealed. Like this is what we're talking about, right? But it doesn't happen in your first year, six months. This shit takes time. takes takes fucking commitment. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, my experience was uh, I-, I was never a good meditator either. Because I was so full of myself um, all the time that, uh, you know, you try and get quiet. And my brain just like wants to explode. Because um, I'm so full of what is described as defects of character, Uh, fear, anger, and mostly, you know, the biggest thing is I'm just consumed by self. And, you know, when when you talk about self sacrifice, well, that's like, that's me abandoning myself to someone else. And all my little problems and worries, and all that shit just slips away. You know, when I've, been sober for some time and you know I sit down with another guy and I listen to what he's going through you know it's a really good reminder of what I went through and you know because I come in I came in in here with nothing like homeless right and you know all of a sudden I get a couple years in and you know get some money in my pocket and all of a sudden you know everything's so important again right but really like I'm I'm just dying inside because I'm spiritually sick and I'm frequently wrong most of the time. And that's why sponsorship was so important because you know I come up with all these crazy ideas, judgments, and opinions that I think everybody's doing it wrong. And all of a sudden I'm so blocked off, like I can't pray and meditate. You know, like without the self-searching, like in fact finding uh with a sponsor. You know, I can never see the truth because I can't see self with self. But if I allow it, I'll convince myself of a truth that isn't so far from reality and I'll run with it. Um, It just makes my life so difficult. And then, you know, when I met Bill and we hammered six and seven and I saw all these parts about me, um, all of a sudden, you know, I went into meditation. And this actually, when we went into the uh, lockdown because of COVID, Um, I got a taste of, you know, me, Bill and I did a lot of work and then all of a sudden I, I was, you know, everything had shut down and everything was quiet and I was so comfortable with myself and that wasn't, normally I'm the guy that can't sit still. I always got to be busy, you know, and for two weeks, like you said, the road less traveled and now I don't know where I am kind of thing. For two weeks, I literally, I was so peaceful, and I had no idea where I was going, and it was so unknown, and all of a sudden, I just, you know, I just shut down my company of 10 years and went on a different path and and got back into school, because, like, I was actually being guided into a different direction and a different way of life, and, you know, all kinds of things just came together in that time, Um, but I never really had a clear goal of what I was doing, but I was being directed into a direction that I didn't understand. And everybody around me was like, what do you mean you just quit and going to school, like you have a company, you have two kids and like, but I just knew that it was going to be okay no matter what, because the channel was so clear at the time that, you know, the, the, the truth was just so apparent that I just had to follow it. And I, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And it's still all coming together, but like, it's unreal. Like I had no idea how much of myself was in the way of what I really wanted and who I really was because I was just kind of going off of what I knew and what society told me and how I was raised and all these things that, you know, this, this program has a way of uh, breaking me down to my core where the, that God centered part of me, where the truth is just. The truth and there's no there's no arguing it there's no uh, justifying it and even though everybody around me thought I was crazy uh, it didn't matter anymore and when I live my life based on what other people think then I'm making decisions you know that have nothing to do with me and it's going to take me to a place of fucking misery
1: yeah that's that's an amazing little story and That's what I've seen happen to quite a few people. And we started uh, chatting about sponsorship and the benefits of looking across the table and listening to yourself, looking at yourself, talking to yourself. Like, to me, I look at all the work that I've done in the program, and I always say the 12 steps will give you a lot. It'll change a lot. But the one aspect of the 12 step, working with others, gives me everything. It gives me that IV drip of sanity in all areas of my mm-hmm. life. It allows me to practice every principle, getting out of self in the God's will in the moment that I'm doing it. I am totally the farthest thing of away from me because I'm the problem that I can be. And as I work with these people and, mm-hmm. and Corey, I'm going to ask you about sponsorship and, and the benefits of, of what it's done to your life. Cause I know you've been heavy into it. And, and I know a lot of your story because we've been connected now for a year and going on a year and a half and we've talked a lot and I know that you're always of service and you're, you're really doing the deal for real and it shows, right? It shows. And, uh, what's, what's been the benefit of sponsorship in your life or whatever you want to talk about sponsorship Yeah, thank you. being no. a sponsor, sponsoring, <laughs> um, being sponsored just whatever
2: awesome thank you and tommy thank you man if it wasn't for sponsorship i wouldn't be sober today Mm -hmm. 100 percent, easily uh you know i'm a i'm a retread right i've come into these rooms so many times like (laughs) it's ridiculous right if a normal person heard how many times i tried to do this program right never got it they'd be like what is wrong with you Right? At least that's the opinion I think in my own head. And, uh, man, the gifts of sponsorship are everything today. Um, I've never not been working with at least one guy over this time of sobriety. Uh, if it wasn't for all the men that work hard to transform their lives, right? They want to come out of a hopeless state of mind uh, and body, Um You know, just my hats go off to everyone that's suffering or hurting uh, because there is a way. There's a way out. Um, Some of the gifts and when COVID happened, like Tommy was saying, I had weeks where I was feeling depressed, right? I didn't know what to do. I'm at home all the time. You know, I got laid off my job. Um, Can't go to meetings. Trying to do the Zoom meeting thing, right? You know, people are relapsing left and right. Friends are dying. Like, I felt kind of shitty at home, right? But I got to say, every time I worked with a sponsee, it was like heaven. Mm. Absolute heaven. I just got out of myself. I felt great after. I see him trying to change, right? All of a sudden, I see defects about myself, right? And, you know, things I haven't worked on in a long time. I mean, one of the greatest gifts I get from sponsoring is... You know, I'm trying to work on a lot in my life, right? And they're trying to work a lot on their lives, right? When they're going through the first set of steps, right? Or their second set of steps, like there's tons that reveals itself, right? And often what they're going through is something that I need to work on too, right? Plus, a great example, I got a concussion a month and a half ago, right? And I was in a lot of pain, right? I go to the cupboard in my bathroom, And there's this bottle of Tylenol. And I told the doctors I'm not going to take anything, right? But I'm like, man, I'm just going to take like six or eight of these Tylenol. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Not one or two, right? Six or eight of these Tylenol. And I can just get, I feel better. (laughs) Because that's what I do as an addict, right? Everything overboard. And uh, I go to open the bottle and I open it up. I look in the mirror and I go, what would I tell my sponsee? Mm. You know, if he called me right now what would I suggest he does? Right? That one moment just saved my life.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Right? Just saved my life. Right? I actually didn't. I think I took two Tylenol. Right? I took two Tylenol. Right? The responsible dosage. (laughs) (laughs) Can't get high off that. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I think you just explained how even in recovery, you know we still seek relief and like this is where the the defects of character come out i mean yours was a you know you're contemplated taking you know four times the amount of Tylenol, (laughs) which is kind of comical because compared to what we used to do i mean tylenol's fucking whatever but it, it it just shows that you know you're seeking some kind of relief from something right but usually we see it in defects of character where it's like lust like you mentioned or fear you know where we just like get so full of fear and it drives our life and it makes us angry and we don't know why we're acting the way we're acting but you know i'm afraid that i'm not going to have enough money i'm afraid that i'm not going to be a good husband i'm afraid that like i'm not a good father and if i let that shit run out I, like i need relief i need relief from something and um you know w- the first rounds of uh recovery in the program like i use meetings for relief that that was the sole purpose of the meeting was a dumping ground so that i could get some sort of relief from my fucking alcoholism and addiction you know even though i'm sober i'm crazy so i need to go to meetings to get relief and you know later i learned that this isn't the point here you know my whole purpose is to get connected with God and bring a message to the meeting for the newcomer. It has nothing to do with my relief. And, you know, once in a while, I think it's okay. You know, you have a rough day, you need some support, you go to a meeting, that's cool. But when I'm relying on meetings to keep me sober, I'm in trouble.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So Tommy guns, we're, uh, yeah, relief. We're relief seekers And, and I don't think this ever ends, which is why I think, you know, the line in the book, it says, at a certain point, the alcohol, alcoholic has no effect of mental defense against the first drink. You know, at a certain point, I need that relief. Mm-hmm. And if I don't seek out God, I'll seek it through defects of character. Mm-hmm. And if I seek it through defects of character long enough, I will eventually succumb to the desire of substance again. And I will put it in my body and I won't have a choice. Why? Because alcoholism is in full effect. Mm-hmm. And, and as we understand that part, I also have no effective mental defense against my defects of character. I don't want to be angry. Mm-hmm. I don't want to act in less. I don't want to do a lot of these things. But underneath the surface, I find myself like getting mad. And in the moment where I get mad, it's like, okay, you shouldn't be here. You know, like the book says, I had a feeling I wasn't being any too smart as I start getting angry at you. And then also in the book, it says, well, I'm going to stop with, with the sixth drink. Well, I'm going to stop with the third fuck you as I give you both barrels. And I say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink for oblivion. Fuck it. I'm just going to get hammered. Well, now I'm just going to get hammered with anger. Fuck you. And I'm just like, now I'm unloading on you. And it's the same cycle of alcoholism. I just got power out of anger. I, I go into the spree and I emerge remorseful and I swear off. And this is repeated over and over and over. And it's the same exact cycle in the doctor's opinion as we're talking about the substance, but now it's with defects of character, which is why the... The idea of God in my life, just the theory of God isn't enough. It has to come through the pragmatic, practical action of what these steps actually tell me to do. Where are my feet moving? Am I picking up the phone? Am I putting pen to paper? Am I doing the things that the book tells me as directions to do? And that actually allows me to self-sacrifice and be able to be constructive action for you. Right. And through that process, my faith becomes actually strong and I become reliant upon it. Right. So, you know, and, and sponsorship, again, is probably the biggest catalyst for me in that area. And like I've really strayed away from sponsoring here in the last four or five months and I'm still sponsoring, but I'm doing way less and I feel the emotional effects of that. And I don't really know how to manage it because I got a few things happening in my life that are different than, you know, last four years. So I'm trying to ask God for the balance and show me how I can balance all of this stuff without me forcing the balance because mm-hmm. left to me forcing it, I'm in fucking trouble, right? <laughs> so I, get, I really try to rely on God or the inspiration and direction, but I find myself getting a little bit stuck in self and I get blocked. I got to, reap my my game mm-hmm. so i'm going through this like growth period where i don't even know what's going on sometimes but i think the most important thing and like i teach the guys that i work with doesn't matter how you feel it's a matter of what you're doing mm-hmm. so i just keep doing those same things right and sponsoring i, I got a couple new guys here now so i'm going to get back on the track with with some newer guys and uh add them to the guys that i already have going but uh that's just been the greatest gift for me in my life
0: yeah you kind of brought up Um, you know, how hard it is to recognize these defects of character, especially if you're doing it on your own. It's just impossible. Um, But I mean, we've been kind of wired a certain way our entire life and we're used to acting a certain way. We come into the program and we get some relief and, you know, we try and do things a little bit better. But We actually don't like dig in far enough to make lasting changes. Um, I know that was my experience and a lot of the experience working with guys and I mean that step 10 process is just so important because it's like I have to continue this stuff daily and at first it seemed like you know a sentence right because it seemed like a lot of work and everybody who was doing this stuff and talking about doing this stuff every day it seemed really fanatical to me Um, but I I think they're like like Bill was just saying, like, I mean, he's five and a half years sober and he's continuing to have to work on the selfishness and the fear and all these things, right. That block us from God. Um, but yeah, like it, I think this is why we have um, a, such a small percentage of people that um, kind of give up and they don't really know what they're looking for. They don't really know what to work on. Did you have any of that? Because you said you were, you know, uh, a retread, right? What was it that you think you that you know today where you fell short before?
2: Yeah, thank you, Tommy. Uh, huge retread. Huge retread. Came in so many times. So many times, man. You know, completed step fives. Mm-hmm. You know, tried to do eight and nines, right? Just fake amends. Uh, never consulted with my sponsor first. I would try to hit off my list and, uh, just not doing it with a sponsor. Right. Mm -hmm. I just read the big book, right. Read the steps on the wall and would do my best to go out and tackle this and thought, man, I am being the bigger man. I am challenging, you know, what other people don't challenge. I am doing what other people won't do. Right. I am capable of being number one here. Right. And let alone, I was doing it all off my thinking mind. Right. I thought that I was the king shit, (laughs) you know, and, you know, I will tackle all of this and I won't need help from, you know, a God-centered pillar, right? Which is the exact opposite of what this program has taught me to be today. Uh, What was I missing, Tommy? I'd say I was missing uh, clear-cut directions with step 11. Okay. I never put pen to paper. Uh, As I was sharing earlier on, I would pray at work. You know, I'd get up in the morning, I'd do prayer meditation, right? And I'd have these emotional hangovers back and forth and left and right. And, you know, I never did the step 11 morning or nighttime routines, right? And when I don't clear what's going on throughout my day, right, I'm carrying it over to the next day, mm-hmm. right? And most of the time, I can't even see what's going on in my life that I'm carrying over. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? I don't even know. Yeah. Right? I can't see for myself because I'm too cluttered in making myself look good, look bad. You know, how am I going to do the work right? You know, when am I going to pray? How am I going to get more God into my life? You know, did I make amends today? Did I lie? Was I dishonest, fearful, or afraid? You know, was I resentful? Right? And I'm cluttered with now these thoughts of the big book and how I can run my life to be more centered and in alignment with my higher power and his values. Mm-hmm. Right? Little did I know that in step 11, when I can devote, and continuously put pen to paper morning and night. Um, I got, and I get to have that opportunity to have peace of mind Mm -hmm. to the day. There isn't a constant praying, like going to the bathroom stall and praying on my knees all the time, right? I'm not constantly asking for guidance and how to align myself with his values, right? God's values, you know? There's like things happening in my life today that, I don't even do, right? Like they just happen, man, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I just want to give like some examples of the step 11 and the consistency so that hopefully somebody's inspired that hears this, right? Or thinks about it in a new light, right? And wants to take action and experience it for themselves. Man, I'm the kind of guy that I've had, (laughs) I've had like 47 jobs and I'm only 29. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Holy shit. <laughs> now, I'm the kind of guy that will show up for work, I'll kick butt, right? I'll get bored, and I'll jump to something else, right? Now, uh, in step 11, uh, when I started doing this rigorously, right? Now, when I came into sobriety, I didn't have many opportunities for work, let me tell you, <laughs> right? I'd screwed over most of the people I ever worked for. Mm. And when I started to do step 11... Rigorously, right? When COVID came around, man, I had people calling me up for work. I mean, who's getting phone calls during COVID? Right, man. I had so many phone calls for me to go and join other people. Uh-huh. I didn't have enough time to finish or do all these jobs. Right, I was handing off sponsees. Right, man, go do this job. Like, take this on. Um, you know, I've got money popped into my bank account that I don't know where it came from. Right. Literally, like hundreds of dollars, right? Um, And usually in times of need or making a financial immense. Um, You know, it is so cool to sit with my mom or my grandma who I had emotional turmoil with and just be there in peace of mind and want the best for them and not judge them or think they should be a certain way Um, and just be like calm. And there's nothing going on in my head and I can feel my toes, Right. <laughs> and it's peaceful. And that is something that I never did. I never did step 11 before. Right. right? Especially uh, constantly mm-hmm. and rigorously. Mm-hmm. And it's been a game changer in my life.
0: So it sounds like, I mean, the, every step kind of prepares you for the next. Right. Mm-hmm. So without knowing how to do an inventory and then having a sponsor sit down with you and look at your defects of character, so you actually know you know, what to watch for, but all this stuff brings you to, to prayer and meditation. Mm -hmm. Right. And even there's a, in the book, there's a, there's a process to go through. There's always a process with every step, right. And there's a process for step 11. And I think it sets you up. Like you said, sets you up for the next day, Mm -hmm. whatever you go to bed with you're going to wake up with. So if you're going to bed with fear and worry and anger and all that shit, you're going to wake up with it. And then it's just like rinse and repeat right? <laughs> or you can follow the process and go to bed with a clear mind and connected to God and wake up and continue this on and on. Right. And then, I mean, life happens and you know, it's not always easy, you know, rarely. And, uh, but we do have moments of clarity and moments of peace. And this, this is what we're really after. You know, it's not about just quitting drinking and drugs. I mean, that's, that's just a symptom of what we have, right? That that was my solution to my problem. Well, now <laughs> my solution has to be much different today. My my, my, my the only solution I have found, and I've been through a lot of, I've been through a lot of different programs and a lot of different treatment centers. Um, this is the only one that continues day by day to push me towards clearing the channel to God. And this is something that I avoided like the plague before, because I wanted nothing to do with, like, I thought going to meetings for the rest of your life was weak. <laughs> I thought, you know, relying on higher power was weak. And it just didn't make any sense to me. And I knew going to meetings, I saw everybody was kind of happy in the room, but you know, my judgmental alcoholic mind, you know, I'm comparing my my insides to their outsides. And I'm like, I don't fit in here. Like, But I didn't know that these people were happy and they lived just like I did because I thought, oh, no, you know, nobody's really that bad in here. Well, they (laughs) were bad, (laughs) but now they're good because they do this work. (laughs) You know, so it's it's one of those things. I mean, the desperation needed for this program to get started is is so essential, right? Mm -hmm. Because why else would you come into this these meetings and this program? You know, it just it doesn't make any sense. But if you're desperate enough, you're just going to latch on to whatever you can. And
1: if this thing takes, you're going to have an amazing life. Yeah, dude. And and I like how you guys are touching on the step 11, the prayer, meditation and the inventory, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's a three package deal. <clears throat> there's a line in the step, tw- step 11, 12 and 12 that says there's a direct linkage among self-examination, prayer and meditation. So there's a direct linkage. There's, there's a connection between all three of them. Then it says, when taken separately, we get much relief and benefit. Well, I'm a fucking relief seeker. <laughs> I always want to benefit from everything. I'm sick of relief and I'm sick of benefit. Then it says, but when they are logically related and interwoven, it makes for the unshakable foundation for life. And that's, I think, the most important part. You know, I gotta take this self-examination like you're talking about, Tommy. Take it to prayer, and then go into meditation. And as I do this process, amazing things happen, right? And and I come out of this with with answers. And I'm and I'm becoming entirely willing to fucking do this stuff. But these three things have to be logically related and interwoven. And I always like to say what step 11 is and sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry out step six and seven. Mm. So as I pray and I meditate and I'm asking for help I'm actually trying to relinquish my old weapons of defects of character and do God's will. Where six and seven, again, that's how we started the podcast, come back always. Because that's the backbone. That is where emotionally I I get to be sober. And if I can stay emotionally sober, I don't want to drink. I don't need relief. And I can actually be of service and want to do things for you. But when I'm stuck in my head, all I care about is me and all I want to do is things for me so I can get relief and benefit from the way I feel. So just prayer alone, I'm only going to get relief and benefit. When you think about that, think about in early recovery, when things were bothering you, you'd go to pray to try to like ask God to remove the whatever it was bothering you, and it would work. You'd get some relief and some benefit. But what always happened? That same thing came back, and I'd have to pray for it again, right? And, and it was constant. And it was also cool to do inventories. It was cool to learn about what I was, But if I don't take action and try to change what I am or what I was, then I don't get the benefit of like genuine humility, right? There's three kinds of humility in this program. And in my respect as a teacher, it's humiliation, humble through the pain, and then a desire to seek and do God's will. It's the same as doctor's opinion. We work out our solution. How? Through the spiritual and altruistic plane spiritual as these disciplines we're talking about, altruistic means unselfishly devoting oneself to the welfare, happiness, and well-being of others. I'm not doing altruism when I start doing the acts of altruism. And Corey, you had alluded to during COVID, you could feel like, holy shit, do I feel great? I'm in fucking heaven after you're done. And that's like, to me, that's that mid-phase of, of altruism. At first, I'm doing it because I need to stay alive. I start doing this helping others and praying for people and I'm reluctant and I don't really fucking like the idea, but I'm doing it because I'm I'm so sick of fucking living the way I have and I don't want to die, so I do it anyway. And then you get to that middle phase where you start realizing, holy shit, this shit makes me feel like I'm on cloud nine. And then you feel like, shit, what do you do? (laughs) You find an alcoholic to work with and you feel like you're lifted up again. But then it changes. And I know that it's changed for you, Corey, and I know it's changed for Tommy and for myself. You don't hesitate. There's an opportunity to to be of service. Boom, we're there. Why? Because now it's a desire to do God's will. Why? Because we've developed compassion. And because we just want to be helpful. And through that gift, what happens? I get happy. When I just come here to get happy... I always say it's like squeezing a handful of sand and I'm squeezing happiness because that's all I want. But when I open my hand, all the sand's been squeezed out and there's nothing there. But when I do what the book says to be of service to other people, the byproduct is happiness. You talked about peace of mind. The byproduct is peace of mind. The byproduct is this faith that can meet any emergency. The byproduct is true freedom of the human spirit. And humility starts becoming a way of life. And the step seven talks about most of us have even non-acquaintance with humility as a, as a way of life. But with persistent and consistency to change, these gifts actually come. But they only come through the hard work. Not everyone's doing what we're talking about. Why? Because it's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. You do what's fucking hard, and what happens? We're all um out of this and it's our lives are easier but if we keep doing what's easy living in resentment living in selfish self-seeking desires living in alcoholism essentially in defects it fucking makes our life hard because it's a long road of unremitting suffering and we think that that's the easy way it's easy to do that shit and the result is typically relapse and if you relapse the chances are you can die right so and we know a lot of people that have fucking died right which is why we're doing this like there's enough people dying there's Mm -hmm. enough people struggling and hurting and Mm -hmm. I don't want to fucking beat around the bush like there's an actual program here it's in the book it's clear cut following directions and a lot of what we talked about today six and seven that's where it lies within through the prayer meditation self-examination and sponsorship the 10 11 and 12 for us there's pure growth steps. It's not maintenance steps. Like what happened if you maintain your first year of recovery? You'd be <laughs> fucking drunk. <laughs> if I maintained my first year of recovery, I'd be drunk today. Yeah, that's true. We've grown. And the book says our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It must continue for our lifetime. And then it says we continue to watch for. Well, this is step 10. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That's the first step in the actual step 10 process. That's the problem. That's my alcoholism. That's my selfish self-centeredness that defeats me in my own life. Then the first step in that solution says we ask God to remove it at once. Our first sponsor or go-to is always God. Then it says we talk to someone immediately. So as you talk to me, as you're struggling with something, I can show you the facts, face the facts, look at the truth, because you can't always see the truth with self. Then we find that damaged or unsalable good of self and try to discard it without regret. And then it says we make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. And that's a big if, because you're probably not going to be harming people if you follow the first little bit of that process. And then it says we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And then we go help somebody or at least we spend 10 or 20, 30 seconds praying for somebody, maybe the person we're pissed off at or the person that seemingly harmed us.
2: Yeah. And Bill, I find a lot of the time with guys I'm working with or just people in the meeting, the question is, how do I turn my thoughts over to someone I can help? Mm-hmm. Right. Man, I've done these five different ways. What are some new opportunities? Right. What are different ways I can turn my thoughts over to someone I can help? Right. Um You know, do you have some examples?
1: Yeah, dude. One of the biggest things for me, and this came in about the last couple years, is I used to just pray for people like quickly in my head. Oh, let's have a list of 10 people. And I'd pray for them. And even maybe the one guy that hurt me seemingly that I'm mad at, I'd pray for him for five or 10 seconds. But it wasn't really a connected prayer. So I learned the longer that I pray for one person, the more connection I have and the more compassion I start building for the person and more this prayer actually hits the energy of the universe and it does something to me and I can leave that step 10 process different. So the longer I pray for people, 10, 20 seconds, no, let's go 30, 40 seconds per person. And it's changed my life in that area. So I started out with the problem of me always in step 10 and I ended off with the solution of you. And that prayer, the longer the prayer to me has just been gold, bro. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, awesome.
0: Um, Corey, we're going to wrap it up now. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come do this with us. Um, Is there anything that you want to wrap it up with?
2: Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for starting this podcast and reaching out to, uh, anyone that's willing to learn trying to grow trying to upgrade in the program uh thank you for having me today and i'm so grateful to be here and uh just wishing the best for everyone thank you
1: right on thanks cory and Corey, i just want to thank you again for being here and doing what you do and uh making your life better for you so you can make your life better for others Let's go into kind of the name of the game here and uh just to really really appreciate both you guys thanks
0: Cool. So I'm going to throw it out there. Anybody listening, if you have anything that you'd like to hear on this podcast or need to learn about, um, please send us an email. And our email is fosdfl at gmail.com. And it stands for Fellowship of the Spirit Designed for Living. So that's fosdfl at gmail.com. So we'd love to hear from anybody. um, If you want to hear a topic or you know, just anything, you have uh, some feedback for us, whatever, just shoot us an email. Uh, you can find me at table40.coach on Instagram and uh, table40coach.com and Bill,
1: where are you at? I'm at all platforms at billward.life. Uh, really check me out on Patreon. Um, that would be great. Check me out on YouTube. Um, yeah. And we have our big book study that we run every Sunday from seven to nine on our regular Zoom channel. If you'd like the info on that, uh, shoot us an email. And we'll send you the Zoom info and password.
0: And I guess the other thing is if, um, definitely if you, if you resonate with this uh, episode or any other episode or you know anybody that we could benefit from it, just share it with them. It's an, uh, just a click of the button and uh, hopefully somebody benefits that. So thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next time.